Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 53. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. It's been a while since I've done an episode where it was just me talking without a guest. And that's partly because I gave myself a break from recording episodes over the summer and just focused on the ones that I already had going, including the practice building series. Sometimes it's a question of, what am I going to say? I have a lot to say, but I don't always have the time and space to sit down and think about how I want to present it. There's been a lot going on. There's always a lot going on. But today I want to talk about secrecy, shame, and the shadow. If you're a regular listener to Therapy Chat, then you probably heard my interviews in episode 38 with Rini Beck, who talked about dream work and tarot to access the shadow or unconscious. Episode 40, in which I interviewed Lourdes Viado, who's a Jungian psychologist, talks and talks about, she talks in depth about the shadow. And episode 42 with Carrie Nola, who has her messages from Shadow Oracle deck. She talks about the shadow, how it shows up by nature, how it hides from us outside of our awareness. I always um, think about it as what's just in my peripheral vision, just, just past where my peripheral vision ends is what's really right there for everyone to see except myself at times. And Carrie, in her episode, number 42, talks about how she uses her shadow messages from Shadow Oracle deck to help bring the what is outside of our awareness into our awareness. So those episodes, if you haven't listened to them, might be a good starting point for what I'm about to discuss. Just thinking about how our secrets and the things that we feel we have to keep, quote unquote, secret, are part of the shadow in our personal lives as individuals, our relationships, our families, our communities, and our our culture, the larger culture here in the United States, and of course the world. Secrets. What are secrets? As a therapist, I work with people who feel deeply unworthy. But they don't necessarily come to me because they feel unworthy. 
they come to me because they feel like there's something about them that's different from everyone else. And they're suffering because of that. They're suffering because of that sense of being separate from everyone else, that disconnection that interferes with their ability to really love themselves, truly, deeply love who they are, accepting themselves 100%, good and bad, all the parts of themselves. And when they're not able to embrace all of who they are, so they are not in wholeness with themselves, they can't connect with other people the way they want to. They feel disconnected from their loved ones. They feel disconnected from people they don't even know that well. They just kind of feel like they're walking around different from everyone else, like an alien who landed from another planet and doesn't know why they can't fit here. Everyone who comes to me has this sense that there's something about them that makes them different, and they can name what it is. I'm different because I'm gay. No, you don't understand. I'm different because I was sexually abused. No, I am different because you don't understand. My mom didn't love me. So obviously there's something wrong with me because how can I be normal like everyone else if I wasn't even good enough for my mom to love me? These are things that I hear. And the ironic thing is that the people who are saying this don't realize that the person who was there maybe just before them or just after them felt the same way for a different reason. And maybe if each client heard what the next client was suffering because of, maybe they would think, oh, We all have something that makes us feel separate, that makes us feel less than. And we interpret it as that there is something actually wrong with us when that's not true. We actually just have shame about this thing that we feel, if anyone knew the truth about it, we would be unworthy. We would be unlovable. And and that comes from feeling unworthy just deeply feeling inside that there's something wrong with you. And so you find something to attach that to. Oh, it must be because I have fertility issues. That's proof that there's something wrong with me. It's like we look for a tangible thing that makes us societally less than. And then we use that as evidence that we really are less than. I'll reference my interview with Dr. Janice Webb on childhood emotional neglect. She talks about how people feel that they have a fatal flaw, just something about them that is just not okay. And I understand that as being related to attachment. If you think about child development, a child understands that everything that happens is caused by that child. So at a certain stage, if a child is not receiving 
the connection and attention and attunement from their primary caregiver that they're wired to need. And this isn't about blaming the primary caregiver who may not have gotten what they needed when they were a child either. But if you're that child and you aren't getting, you're crying or you're reaching out for your caregiver and they're not meeting your need, then you need to make sense of that. So in your child's mind, you say, I guess my need is wrong. Or I'm wrong. So that is, you know, developmentally in a very rough and basic way, what makes us think that there's something wrong with us. It's somewhere along the line in our early development, our attachment needs weren't met the way we needed them to be met. And so we made up this idea that there was something wrong with us. And then later, because of things that happen that were painful for us, maybe, for example, if you're gay, a realization that in our culture, not everybody accepts people being gay. So suddenly there's something wrong with me. But this is just how you are. There's nothing wrong with you. This is you. But it gives you... That's it. I knew something was wrong with me and now I know what it is. And then that becomes a secret, a shameful secret that you have to carry. Secrets are just a construct. Meaning, the idea that we have things that we have to feel ashamed about and no one else can know, that's what a secret is. So many people feel that, for example... Because someone was sexually abused in childhood, or because they drank too much in college, or they've ever been raped, or when they were growing up, they witnessed domestic violence in their family, their parents used to have violent fights, or they abused alcohol or drugs. Maybe they once worked as a stripper or worked in prostitution, or they grew up in a family where they didn't have enough money. And maybe now no one would ever know any of those things happened by looking at them. You can't tell anything by looking at people anyway. But they're so eager to put that past behind them and disown it because that's my shameful past and I'm not proud of it and that's not me anymore, and I don't know that person, I don't like that person who had those experiences, so I've changed, I've overcome it, put it behind me. But it kind of makes it like a secret. Someone I really admire is Glennon Doyle Melton, and if you're not familiar with her, she has a very popular blog called Mamastery, and two books. One is currently on the New York Times bestseller list as of this recording, which is Thursday, September 29th, 2016. Her newest book is called Love Warrior. And her first book is called Carry On Warrior. And in her first book in particular, she talks 
so much about all of the shame she carries for her experiences, for the things that happened in her earlier years. She was bulimic starting at age 10. She drank, she started drinking in high school and drank too much through college. She was an alcoholic. She got DUIs. She went to jail. Um, things that a lot of people go through, bad things, things that were probably extremely painful for her. And she talks about them more in context of how it harmed the people she loved. But I admire her because she's out there and she goes around giving talks And she doesn't, she puts it right out there. Yeah, that's my story. I had bulimia. I had addiction. I went to jail. This is me. And she doesn't pretend that she's perfect now either because we're not. No one is. Um, she doesn't pretend that You know, it was an easy road to the celebrity status that she has now. And on her blog, one reason why people love it so much in her books, too, is that she's so real about how hard life can be or how deeply happy she feels or how hard it is to just get through the day sometimes. And that's real. We all feel that way at times. And we've all had experiences of things happening that we didn't want to happen. Things that we did that caused something to happen and turn out in a way that we didn't like and we wish we had done it differently. Accidents, mistakes, foolish choices, things we did that hurt other people. And yes, You can still be a good person, even if those things happened. So I love Glennon's work, and I highly recommend you read Carry On Warrior and her new book, Love Warrior. They're both great. They're deeply emotional, and she writes in a way that few people share. But I hope my illustration of her sharing her parts of her life that she doesn't like shows how you don't have to hide the parts of yourself that you're not proud of. Because if you want to love yourself, you have to love all the parts of yourself. Until you embrace all the parts of yourself, even the ones you don't like, and this was hard for me to learn, but I get it now. You You can't fully love yourself and you really can't give your love fully to other people either because you're holding back on the love you give yourself. So you're holding back on the love you give other people. It's conditional. So if I have diabetes, is that a secret? Or is that just my private health information, which is no, there's no need for other people to know about it. It's my personal information. What if I'm HIV positive? Is that a secret? There's still a taboo and a stigma in our culture on 
HIV. There's still a message that HIV is something that someone contracted through their own wrongdoing. It's, it's something that we judge and blame people for. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marriage, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marish is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15OFF for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. We all know that small actions can make a big difference in our lives. I know for me, I can be in a terrible mood, go out somewhere and see a stranger, make eye contact and just smile at them and find suddenly I feel good. Whether it's practicing mindfulness a few minutes each day, movement practices, small actions can have big benefits, like how taking care of your gut can support whole body health. Seeds, DSO-1, Daily Symbiotic, benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Your body is an ecosystem and great health starts in the gut. Your gut is a central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, our immune systems, and more. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com living and use code 25living to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com living, code 25living. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months.
So I mentioned that maybe if the people who are in my office realized that the person who came in before them or after them feels just as different and just as unlovable and unworthy, but maybe for a different reason, if you were that person, would you feel connected with them because you both feel so unworthy? And would it make you realize you're not alone? And maybe this is an experience that many people have. Maybe it's not because of you. Or would you be more likely to want to separate and distance yourself from them thinking, well, they are different. Judging them because they're gay, because they were sexually abused or for some other reason that they're different and maybe you want to like exile them or shun them. You don't want to feel similar to them. Whether that's true of the next client who comes in to my office behind you or the one who leaves before you, Or whether it's something that you do with other people. Maybe you separate yourself from people who you think are different from you. Or maybe from people who you feel are too much like you. And that's one of the things about the shadow. This was talked about in some of the previous episodes. How when there's one person who drives you crazy and you just can't stand them. Often it's something about them that is like a part of yourself that you don't like that makes you want to distance yourself from them because you're distancing yourself from that part of you. And when you're around them, it reminds you of that part of yourself that you're trying to hide even from yourself. Oftentimes it's someone else who's vulnerable And I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, I have red hair and I always got a lot of attention for my red hair. The positive attention was made mainly from my grandmother's friends. So when I would be out with my grandmother, her friends thought my hair was the cutest thing and they always complimented it. But other than that, the attention I got for my hair from other kids was typically something to the effect of why do you have red hair or why is your hair orange? Because there weren't that many kids who had red hair. And so to me, I was being ostracized, even though most likely the kids really just wanted to know why my hair was orange because they hadn't seen someone with orange hair before. So when I would see another kid with red hair, you would think, oh, I might feel less alone and I might want to bond with them and make them be my friend thinking, hey, there's a kindred spirit. There's another like me. But no, I wanted nothing to do with them. (laughs) I wanted to distance myself from them. I didn't want to be associated with them because I had, I hated my hair and I hated the attention I got for it and feeling different. So I shunned other people who had red hair. And that's just, you know, very unconsciously as a child, that's just what seemed like the way to be safe was to distance myself from someone else who seemed to have the same vulnerability that I perceived myself to have. 
and I didn't want to connect with that. And we distance ourselves so often from people who we sense vulnerability in when we're afraid of our own vulnerability. So whether someone feels too vulnerable to you and it feels so uncomfortable to be around them because, oh, they're too needy or they seem so sad or they play the quote unquote, play the victim card all the time. Um, Instead of having empathy for them, we often distance ourselves from them. We judge them. And when we do that, we're judging parts of ourselves. Otherwise, we would be able to see that person and say, you know, that person, you know, what you consider being needy is someone who maybe is a hurt person. You know, normally we would have empathy for someone who's hurt, not shun them and reject them. But when we have parts of ourselves that are hurt that we're shunning, that's when we judge and criticize other people. And as therapists, this is something that we have to really notice because, and I actually learned this from something Brene Brown said on Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. She said, if you are a helper, if you're a helping professional, social worker, um, nurse, some other kind of helper, and you don't treat yourself with love and kindness, I'm paraphrasing here, then you are judging the people you help. If you are willing to help them, but you won't accept help yourself, then you are actually not being selfless. You're judging them because you're judging yourself. If you won't accept help, but you will give help, then you're comfortable with being in a one up position where you have someone more power over someone else, but you're not comfortable being in a one down position where you're the one who needs help. And I'll admit it's not a comfortable position. Certainly something that I have had a hard time with is asking for help. And there have been times where I was struggling and feeling so overwhelmed, but you would think it would kill me to let anyone know it or ask for help. I'm talking back when I had little kids and I was in school and I was working full time and just juggling a million things. And gosh knows I wouldn't want to let anybody know. It's not that I wouldn't want to let them know I was suffering, but I wouldn't let anyone help me. And that's because I was shunning that part of myself that needed help. And so that's something to consider on so many levels. When you are exiling part of yourself, you won't accept it. You hate that part. It shows up in your relationships with other people that you're judging them for the same kinds of things. When you begin to accept all the parts of yourself, which self-compassion can help you do, then you won't feel so judgmental about other people. And I know that when I have people in my life who just to think about them makes me feel stressed or anxious or angry, if I stop and I first do meta self-compassion, say, oh, I'm having some really uncomfortable emotions. This feels really unpleasant for me. So I'm just going to allow myself to have that feeling. 
and I'm going to just do a little loving kindness. It goes like this. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be kind to myself. May I be free from suffering. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be kind to myself. May I be free from suffering. I breathe in and out and I sit with that. And then I picture that person who I'm so upset by. When they come up, I feel upset. And I send them loving kindness by saying, may you be safe. May you be happy. May you be kind to yourself. May you be free from suffering. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be kind to yourself. May you be free from suffering. And I sit with how that feels. And I'll tell you right away, it feels so much better than that anger or anxiety to send them love and compassion because they're just doing the best they can, just like I am. And feeling all those negative, uncomfortable feelings when I think of them doesn't help me and it doesn't help our relationship. So sending them first giving myself compassion and then giving them compassion. I feel a heck of a lot better. And it really takes a sting away from, you know, interactions with those people. So I hope this gave you something to think about with judgment, self judgment and self compassion. But the stories we tell ourselves about the meaning of whatever it is that we feel we need to keep secret are based in shame. So if I have diabetes and I feel that's shameful because somehow it indicates that I don't have enough self-control to stay healthy, and that is a stigma that is attached to diabetes. It's not true, but that is something that our culture says because our culture is obsessed with self-control. So is that something I need to be ashamed about and hide? And is it a secret? But on the other hand, is it something that I need to tell everyone? Hey, I'm just letting you know I have diabetes. I don't want to keep secrets. So everybody needs to know I have diabetes. Where do we draw the line between what's private and what's secret? And I think the difference is, do you feel shame about this? Do you feel it's something you have to hide? And if your private issue, whatever it is, that you don't want everyone to know about and you think if they did know, they would judge you, is something that society attaches a taboo or stigma to, then there's this fear of, I'll be exposed and there will be a scandal. And scandals are another construct. It's like public shaming. It's like the stockades back in the um, colonial times where someone would be put out into the public square. This man stole food. 
you know, looking back now, if someone stole food, they probably did it because they didn't have enough money to buy the food and they were hungry. So it was a survival need, but it would have been, it would have been something that someone would have been publicly shamed for. I was reading an article this morning. Uh, there was a brief interview with David Crosby, the singer who was in the band. He was in The Birds, and then he was in Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and he was also a solo, solo performer. David Crosby is an immensely talented person, and his life was really derailed by a long addiction. I think in the article he said 30 years. So once again, addiction is a taboo. We don't ask what pain did this person have that they were seeking to escape from through their addiction. We say, oh, this person was a weak addict and he should be ashamed of himself. And the truth is, people who live with addiction often do behaviors that hurt other people in their lives. And we have to be accountable for our own behavior. But shame doesn't have to be a part of it. And shame is a counterproductive thing because when we shame someone, you know, you want to escape from that shame. Addiction, numbing through substances is a good way to do it until when you sober up and then you face it and you feel the shame again and you want to use. So that's, again, an example of how shame as a way of controlling behavior and getting people to toe the line is really not effective. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy.
Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. So David Crosby in this interview was asked about going to prison because of his addiction. And I felt like the way the article was... Framing it was, 
you went to prison. How do you feel about that? It's kind of like, boy, you really self-destructed. And he said that going to prison was a good thing for him because it forced him out of his addiction and really kind of was a wake-up call. So that's good. But I remember when David Crosby's addiction was really making headlines. And talk about public shaming. He was a laughingstock. He was ridiculed so publicly in his role as a public figure for his addiction. He became... This was an artist who was very talented, and he became a joke, the butt of jokes. Yes, he had addiction, but does that change his beautiful musical contributions? The music of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, to me, is some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. And... I don't know what the personal lives of the other band members are like, but they don't have to be perfect people for me to be able to appreciate that they're very talented people who've made beautiful music and it's a major contribution. So I'm talking about that way that we kind of define people as these caricatures. Marion Barry. When I was a kid in the 80s, I read in the newspaper about Marion Barry being the mayor of D.C. and how he was caught with a prostitute and he was using crack. Once again, he was made to be a laughingstock, not seen as a person who was obviously behaving self-destructively. And I don't know, but you could say that when you think about the idea of the shadow, there's the public figure who is doing all this good. And Marion Barry was revered by his community. The ward he served, he was seen as a dedicated public servant who his activism had done much for the community. But the news media portrayed him as this ridiculous joke, a hypocrite, a person of poor virtue, poor values. And really, the truth is, he did those things that he did. He used crack. Obviously, he must have had an addiction. And he also did those good things for his community. It's not one or the other. It's both. But in our culture, We don't like duality. We want to see there's either good guys or bad guys. Things are bad or good, black and white, clear, simple. One is wrong, one is right, who's to blame? And that's not really reality. We are not one thing. No one is all one thing. Scandals diminish people into this caricature. Oh, you thought you knew who they were, but the truth is out now. Angelina Jolie. 
and Brad Pitt are in the news because they're getting divorced right now. And the news reports are saying she was too involved in her humanitarian work. She was too thin. She was too focused on the kids. Brad is bad. He yelled at the kids. He drinks too much. You know, can a person just be a person and exhibit the behaviors that humans exhibit? Sometimes we act from our best self. And sometimes we act from parts of ourselves that we don't like and we may not even be connected with. But when you are able to accept all of the parts of yourself, embracing all of who you are, the parts of yourself you like and the parts of yourself you don't like, then you can be one integrated person and you can accept that you're not perfect and you don't have to be perfect, that we all make mistakes. We all make decisions, not just mistakes, but we do things that we regret. We think we know what we want to do and we think we know why we're doing it. But once we see how it turns out, we realize that maybe we should have done something different. That's how you learn and grow as a person. That's why people who have been on this earth longer Elderly people have more wisdom because they've had more experience. We're all just figuring it out. I think our culture's focus on who's the bad guy, who's to blame, who are we supposed to be afraid of right now, who is the other. We're forgetting what is really a universal truth, that there is no other We are all one human race. Whether you live in Denmark or Democratic Republic of Congo or Delaware in the United States, we're all just humans and we're all connected. The desire to separate ourselves, to divide ourselves into groups so we can understand who's good, who's bad, who's to fear, that's a way to make ourselves feel safe. But it doesn't make us safer because there's more violence in the world that comes from mistrust of the quote-unquote the other. So I don't have all the answers, but I do know, I mean, I have hardly any answers, but I do know that we can start with connecting with our truest self. If I am accepting and embracing all of the parts of myself, even the ones that I don't like as much, or they're not as socially acceptable, Maybe I would like them just as much if other people liked those parts more. But, you know, parts that, that get me out of connection with other people, I don't like those parts, but, but they're all part of me and who I am. So as we embrace all of who we are, then we can see that 
there is no separation. We're all one. And through that, we can love more, not be so afraid of one another, act from a place of love, not a place of fear. And when we feel the desire to be separate from other people, ask ourselves, like, what's this about? It reminds me of the, what started as a book, I think it's now a website, Post Secret, where people used to write on postcards things that they were ashamed of that no one knew, no one else knew about. There were so many responses that came to the person who was putting them all together um, that he made books and more books and more books. And now, and that was all before the internet was really happening. And now it's a website, but there's something about hearing other people's secrets that's somewhat titillating. And at the same time, it, it can be sad because you see all the things that people feel so much shame about and they can't tell anyone when if they could accept everything about themselves, they wouldn't have to live with the pain that that shame causes. If you want to find out what I'm talking about, you can go on postsecret.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. So that's all I'm going to say for today about this, but I hope it got you thinking about secrecy, shame, and the shadow. And I'd love to know what you think. If you go on my website, therapychatpodcast.com, you can leave me a message. If you leave me a message about your thoughts about this episode and secrets, how secrets and shame and the shadow shape the way we see ourselves and the parts of ourselves we don't like. I would love to know what you think. What part of yourself is the hardest to accept and why? If you leave me a message about that, I may, depending on what kind of response I get, I may put them together into a future episode. And I would love to hear your voices on that. And in a future episode, I'm going to talk about oppression, privilege, racism, and what's going on in our country right now that's so divisive. I don't have all the answers on that either, but all I can do is talk about it, try to make a difference in some way. So thank you for listening. And until next time, please remember to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And you can go on my website and let me know what you think about this episode. And if you want to share something that's a part of yourself that's hard for you to accept. I would love to share your voice on Therapy Chat. Thank you for listening to the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.therapychat.com. Laura Reagan, LCSWC.com.